Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. Anchors are secured in the wrong stuff. A lot of people's anchors are secured in their self, their family, their own life, their own thing, and false doctrine. But is our anchor secure in him? Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited about Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. You know, when we woke up this morning, we ought to have been shouting. A lot of people didn't wake up this morning. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You may be seated. There is no law. You can have as much love and joy and peace as you want to, and you won't break the law. And I promise you, you won't go to jail. Amen. (laughs) There are a lot of type of anchors mentioned in the Bible, and we're talking about the anchors uh, that are listed here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Now, we're going to deal with those uh, anchors today. Just a couple of them. But when we think about anchors, normally you think about vessels or boats, right? And so if one needs an anchor and the water is too deep to reach the sea floor and there's a storm going on, the vessel deploys what is called storm anchors. Everybody say storm anchors. storm anchors. Now when you look at a storm anchor, a storm anchor is like an underwater parachute that catches water. Now think about that. That anchor is deployed underneath the boat, and it don't hit the floor, but it catches water. How many of us need some water or the word today? So that anchor, it catches water, and it holds the boat steady in relation to the current, but not hold the boat steady in a geographical location, meaning that the boat is going to be steadied, but it's not going to be stuck. All right? The boat is going to be steadied, but it's not going to be stuck. And what those storm anchors do, they are deployed, they fill up with water, but they also allow the boat, the vessel, how many of us are vessels of the Lord, to move in a slow pace towards the destination without being disrupted. If we didn't have the storm anchors of the word of God in our life, we'd be on our way to a crash real quick. Because how many of us know that the storms of life have the potential and it tries to wreck us every day. But if we have the word of God in us, that storm anchor of the word, that storm anchor of the spirit of the living God, deep down on the inside of us, it will literally steady you when you're going through something. It will hold you safe and secure. And no matter what people are saying, what people are doing, what's going on in your life, what's going on in the life of your family or what have you, that anchor holds and it steadies you. 
Why? Because we have what gripped the solid rock. See, we can't do nothing without the word. We can't do anything without Jesus. We need him in everything that we do. And that's a lot like what the Holy Spirit does for us. It keeps us steady and going in the right direction. Now, when those storm anchors are deployed and the wind is blowing, it's going to take that vessel in the direction smoothly that the wind is blowing. Kind of like what the Holy Spirit does to us. Sometimes we need a storm anchor. We need that word to just slow us down. To No, 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 you're going too fast. Sometimes we think we know what we're doing and we know what we're saying, but the storm anchor of the word has to slow us down. Because sometimes in our lives, if we run too fast, we'll run ahead of God and he's trying to take us on a certain journey at a certain pace. But we see that we want to get out there too quick. We want to move too quick. And God said, let me slow you down so you won't miss what I have for you. Amen. How many of us want everything that God has for us? I'm going to pick up along the way everything that God has for me. And I say that because how many of us have been too many through too many storms? We've been through too many trials. I'm not going around the mountain again. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm not going to murmur. I'm just going to go on through. I'm going to let the word of God anchor me. I'm going to let the word of God settle my spirit. See, sometimes we want to get ahead of God and we want to get anxious. But the Bible says, be anxious for what? Be anxious for what? Be anxious for nothing because he's in control. See, we don't control our life. (laughs) It's one or two things controlling our life. Either God or the devil, that's it. So why wouldn't we, Brother Elijah, want to be anchored in him? Why wouldn't we want to allow him to lead, guide, and direct us into what? All truth. Oh, everybody say all truth. See, it's a lot of stuff out here that look like truth today. But it's not the truth of God. There's a lot of stuff shaking in various churches today. And I tell you what, it ain't God. It's a lot of twerking going on. It's a lot of... Uh, dresses up to here. It's a lot of cleavage hanging out, but it ain't God. It ain't the truth of God. Thy word is truth. Sanctify me in thy truth. See, when that anchor holds and it grips the solid rock for real, everybody say for real. See, we're almost at the end of time as we know it. Jesus is about to return and people are playing games. People know how to walk, they know how to talk, they know how to, mm, they know how to do all of that. See, I, 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 you know, I used to be a hooper now. <laughs> and you know when you, you know how to work up people, when your motive ain't right. If you're not getting Brother Elijah the right response, you got to tune it up a little bit. Oh, uh-huh. You get to tune it up a little bit because you need a response. But I'm here to tell you this morning, my anchor holds and the only response I need is from heaven. Because when heaven backs you up, it don't matter what man say. It don't matter what man do. It don't matter if you never give me an attaboy or an amen because I already got my amen from heaven. Glory to God. So many people nowadays 
have various types of storms in their life. Going back to the scripture that I quoted, Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, many people nowadays have love storms. Many people have joy storms. Many people have peace storms. They can't sleep, they can't eat, they can't communicate without losing it. Storms that will literally take your vessel in a whole nother direction if we don't let God help us. Patient storms. Y'all hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. What about waiting on God? Some people may have an unkindness storm, unkind words, harshness. Some people have a goodness storm. Some people may be in a faithfulness, faithfulness storm, not faithful to God and not faithful to the spouse. Do you know that che- looking is cheating? Do you know that desiring somebody that ain't your spouse is cheating? Do you know that sliding in somebody's DM is cheating? I know I'm talking right today. Because God is in the house. He's in the house. Hallelujah. Some people may be in a storm of gentleness. Just way too harsh. Just way over the top. Some people may be in a storm of self-control, just all over the place, brother. It just can't be still, just over here today and over there tomorrow, have no control over what you say, what you do, how you act. What causes, let's, let's go back to this love storm right quick, because that's a good one. Because God is love, and why wouldn't the enemy try to throw a storm into something that God is? See, the enemy want to wreck our house. He want to wreck our mind. He want to wreck our love. Colossians 3 verse 2. It says, set your mind or affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, the first thing I want to talk about right here is set your mind and your affections. When your affections are set on something, you love it. If your affections are set on God, you love him. If your affections are set on your spouse, you love them. If your affections are set on your children, you love them. But when a person's affections are divided, that's one thing that actually causes a love storm. Because your affections are divided between God and the things of this world. See, we can't have it both. We can't have it our way. It's not Burger King. We can't do it our way. We don't get it our way. It's not, you know, what is the guy that saw him? I did it my way. We are not that. It's not our way. It's his way or it's a highway. Everybody say it's his way. How many of you know that it really is his way? Because in the end, it's going to be his way. (laughs) I don't care what you think today. I don't care if you try to do your own thing. In the end, when we stand before God, guess who way it's going to be? His way. So when a person's affections are divided, they want to do their own thing. What are some of the affections of the world? Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. When I was growing up, my mama used to say, the love of money is evil. I said, oh, Lord, maybe I don't need money because I don't want to be evil. 
But it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And nowadays, people's affection, they will leave God for some money. They will throw in the towel for some money. They will say, you know what? You ain't paying me. I ain't doing it. But, but we're in the kingdom. Can't we just do something without getting paid? Yes. Another thing, sex outside of marriage, the bottom line, don't do it. Because you know when people start getting busy, they lose their mind. They will leave God to do that. I know I'm talking right. Or they'll stay in the church doing that, thinking don't nobody know what you're doing. Be trying to look holy, but the stench is on you. Be trying to act, you know, lift my hands, but ain't no worship in that. These are the two most powerful things in the world that cause people to flip out money and sex. And will cause people to leave God. Why? Because it appeals to the flesh. It appeals to the sensual nature. And another thing is music. That is a hot topic in Christendom today. I have not seen so much junk and foolishness in the, on the TV under the name of God with people up there doing all type of seductive moves and gyrating and saying God is moving through me. Yeah, your little G God is moving through you. Because my God is holy. My God is righteous. My God is not going to be seductive. My God is not going to seduce somebody after a show. But by the time somebody get up there and do all that foolishness, you got all type of different demonic spirits activated. Don't you know that different moves conjures up different types of demonic spirits? Yoga? That's called every move that yoga does is conjuring up there. It's talking to their gods. So if you're messing around with yoga, talking about my doctor, my therapist told me to do some yoga, leave it alone. But music, see, the enemy, before he got kicked out of heaven, what was he? He was the head of the music department, bringing it to our vernacular. He was over the music department. He was the baddest singer in the music department. The Bible says that he breathed, he exuded music. Music was in him. So why wouldn't the enemy attack? Now, we're still talking about your anchor. <laughs> we're still talking about where that anchor is lodged. But he was music. He was the heavenly choir director. And many Christians don't think that there is anything wrong with listening to music that's of the world. I've had heated discussions, Brother Elijah, trying to convince people, leave Barry Manilow alone, leave Teddy Pendergrass alone, leave them all alone, leave them alone, it's going to mess you up. It will get stuff in your spirit that don't need to be there. So at one time, you were faithful, but then by the time you turn on Teddy, you start looking at people. (laughs) Because that spirit has infected you. 
And by the time you get home to your spouse, they ain't looking like what Teddy was talking about. But you see what I'm saying, how tricky the enemy is. Trying to find a Christian uh, radio station and all of a sudden, you know, you come across, you know, Anita Baker. Talking about she was caught up in the rapture. That ought to be a telltale sign right there. But you know, what rapture was she caught up in? The last I checked, the right rapture is the second coming of Jesus Christ when we'll be caught up. See, you know, if we would have been thinking back then, we would have thought about that title. Some people going to get caught up in a rapture, all right, but it ain't going to be the one that they're thinking they're going to get caught up in. Talking about worldly music and being anchored into the wrong thing. Everybody, some going to be anchored in the right thing. Amen. So worldly music does not fit into the category of the whatsoever things are lovely. Why do you say that? I'm glad you asked. What has happened is the enemy has literally taken music to the next level. There's every level of debauchery, perversion, murder, etc. And music includes, including like sensuality. And sensuality is not a God kind of love. It's not. Now, I'm not talking about what you do with your spouse. That's your business. I'm talking about when the enemy gets into something and begins to pervert it like music. And then we as Christians say, it's okay to listen to it. It's okay to take the lyrics and, you know, change the lyrics. But it was birthed out of the spirit of the enemy. It wasn't birthed out of a pure place, if you will. It wasn't birthed out of waiting on God, saying, God, what do you want me to write? God, give me the melody that's that's in heaven. God, give me, what do you want me, how do you want me to sing this? So how can you take a song, and I'm going to reference one. I used to listen to Jeffrey Osborne way back in the day. He had a song out, Back in Love Again, or something like that. And then another, song, another group came and remade that song. Um, I think it was uh, Trinity 357. They changed it to Back with God Again. But when I heard that beat, I wasn't thinking about God. Even though they put some God-type lyrics on it. The, uh, the, the spirit that was on that music remained there. So that's a trick of the enemy. See, I want the enemy's trying to get your anchor. He's trying to get you out of the anchor of God, out of the anchor of the word. He wants you to get over here somewhere else. I remember the other day, it was I was on the internet. And I saw a woman of God on social media that I know. And when I say my mouth dropped and I was shocked, but nothing should shock us now, right? The woman of God was singing that song called Caught Up in the Rapture by Anita Baker. And she was literally lifting her hands to God, singing that song. Now, one of the uh, phrases in that song, it says, when we met, I always knew I would feel the magic of you. Come on now, magic. Now, you're going to sit up there 
and say, I'm singing this to God, and I'm going to lift my hands talking about the magic of you. Last I heard in Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, it says, there, not, there shall not be found among you anyone that make his son or daughter pass through the fire or that uses divination. What is magic? Divination, right? Okay, or that uses divination or an exerber of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or wizard or necromancer. I think that covers it all, don't it? For all those that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because these abominations of the Lord thy God will drive them out from thee. Now, that's why I'm saying, lifting your hands up talking about the magic. Come on now. We have to be so careful. We have to be so discerning of what we are doing. When you look in Leviticus 19.31, it says, God warns the Israelites. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spirits. Do not. He didn't give a option there, did he? He didn't say on a bad day, just in case your boo ain't with you, turn on some Anita Baker. He didn't give that option. He said, do not turn to mediums or seek spirits, or for you will be defiled by them, for I am the Lord your God. Now, look at that. Look at what he said. If you turn to these things, you're going to be defiled by them. So what are we doing with our life? What are we doing for real with our music? Magic is directly related to the occult and demons. You know, when I was a kid uh, coming up, we used to watch Genie and Bewitched and all that stuff, not knowing that that was a setup from the devil early on. See, it was so cute. Oh, she would just twinkle her little nose and, you know, she could disappear. And I was like, man, I wish I could twinkle my nose and disappear. (laughs) You know, because it looked fun. It looked cute. It looked exciting. It was something that nobody else is doing but a witch. But it opens doors to witchcraft. It opens doors to nightmares. It opens doors to the occult. And sometimes we wonder, how come we can't get no peace? Do you have open doors? Are there open doors? Make sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. The right rock. Amen? Some people may be in a joy storm. And they need those anchors to go down, be dispatched down to pick up some water to hold them steady. Have you ever said, Lord, I feel weak in my spirit? In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portions unto them whom nothing is prepared, for the day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I'm going to go back and I'm going to explain why he said that. But leading up to that, Nehemiah chapter 1, he received, and we're talking about joy. And what was happening was Nehemiah had a burden for the people. He had his people, but he had never been there before. He had never seen them. So in Nehemiah chapter 1, he received the burden to go to Jerusalem and restore the walls and rebuild the gates that were burned with fire because the city was towed up. 
The city had been literally destroyed. First, he got the burden. In Nehemiah chapter 2, he got permission from King Artaxerxes to go and inspect the walls. In chapter, excuse me, chapter 3, Nehemiah began to build the walls. He began rebuilding. In Nehemiah chapter 4, he began to experience opposition. But yet he continued to work. Now think about that. Nehemiah experienced opposition. We're going to experience opposition. There are going to be storms that come about in our lives and things are going to happen. But if we have gripped the solid rock, if our anchor is holding, you will not be moved. You will not be, how can I say, toe up from the flow up. You won't be on the floor rolling around talking about, oh, woe is me. You will get up and get the word and decree and declare the word says this and back up devil according to the word of God. See, God wants to build us up to the point that when the enemy comes in like a flood, we will know what standard. The standard is the word of God that we will raise up the standard of the word against him. Not my crying, not how loud I can get, not how many tissues I can use, but the word of God that will back the devil up. So when you look at Nehemiah chapter 4, he experienced opposition, but he continued the work. Let me go there right quick. I just want to bring out a few points there. Nehemiah chapter 4. Verse 1 says, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And go on down to verse 3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So what was, what was going on here? Nehemiah was doing a work for God, but the enemy had come to try to discourage him by mocking him. Have you ever done something great and somebody came up to you and said, yeah, that's all right. But, you know, if you just do this right here, it looked like it's about to fall over. It's kind of teetering a little bit. That's what was going on here. Nehemiah was doing a great work. He was rebuilding the walls that were torn down and rebuilding the gates that were burned with fire. But here come the enemy. But here come God. <laughs> and it goes on down to say in verse 4, I mean 4 verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches were began to be stopped, they became very rough. Now, when you look at um, those Ashdodites, uh, you remember who they were, don't you? The Ashdod was a city when the um, Ark of the Covenant was taken and they put it into the temple with Moloch and then that, uh, God fell over because the Ark of the Covenant was there. That's, so think about it. These are some serious people that are worshiping other gods. And so it goes on to say, you know, that God got the glory out of it because they completed their work. They completed their work. In chapter 5 of Nehemiah, there, were, well, there was literally a conspiracy against Nehemiah, but he finished the work. I don't care what the devil is doing. I don't care how many conspiracies have been conspired against you. If you are in Christ and your anchor is secure, you will finish your course. 
Amen. You will finish your course just like Nehemiah finished his work. So by the time we get down to Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, he begins to say that the joy of the Lord is his strength. Why? Because they had completed the work. And now he said, now you can go eat, go sit down somewhere, get some rest. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So when we look at the book of Nehemiah, we literally see, we see him praying to God, getting direction, talking to the king, getting permission, going through the forest. He had the king's signet ring. He had the paper, all of that to go and do what God had called him to do. And at the end of the day, the joy of the Lord was his strength. Why? Because his anchor was solid in the word. His anchor was solid in his God. He knew he wouldn't even let people do stuff outside of God. Outside of God. One of the things that I love about Nehemiah, when he was building, he was sitting up on that wall and he had a spatula in one hand and he had a sword in the other. In other words, if you come over here and mess with me, while I'm doing what God has called me to do, I might have to cut your head off. <laughs> he was serious. He was serious about the work that God had put on his heart to do. How many of us are serious today like that? If you come over here and you try to stop me from doing what God has called me to do, you're going to get it. Because I will not come down. Nehemiah even said, why should I come down? I'm doing a good work. Many people get off the wall because something out there looks more appealing. All of a sudden, the work of the kingdom, it ain't fun no more. All of a sudden, the work of the kingdom is not bringing me the attaboys and the notoriety and all of that. It's not bringing that to me anymore. So I think I'm going to go do something a little more exciting so people can see me, so people can hear me. So people can be attached to me. So people can continue to make me feel like I'm all that in three bags of chips. Cheetos, thank you very much. (laughs) My favorite, but I don't eat many. But yeah, so it's almost like if people are not puffing people up nowadays, they don't want to do it no more. They don't want to advance the kingdom of our God. It's not a popular work, people. It's not a pretty work. So it's time for the church to keep moving. It's time for us to keep moving. Okay, so the storm anchors have gone down in many of our lives, but we moving But we're not moving as fast as we think we ought to move. Now, remember, I said those storm anchors, you will still be moving, but you'll be moving at a slower pace going in the direction of the tide. And many people today think that I got to hurry up and get it. I got to hurry up and get there. I got to hurry up and arrive. But God is saying, let me move you in my time. Everybody say it's God's time. There was a song that I used to listen to all the time in uh, a Christian song. Thank you. And it said, one of the verses said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't walk tall, then get down on your knees and crawl. 
But by all means, keep moving. Some people will try to hurry you up to get to a certain place because they have an ulterior motive for your life. They want you to get somewhere, open the door for them, hurry up so they can run through it and leave you in the dust. Right now, people are in various storms, marital storms, financial storms, relationship storms, storms within, storms without, spiritual storms, job storms. It's all type of storms going on right now. But if our anchor, everybody say anchor. Anchor. If your anchor has gripped the solid rock, it will hold. The anchor of the word. Is what's going to carry us through these up, next upcoming years. Don't you know it's stuff coming? Oh my God, it's stuff coming and God is trying to get the church prepared to go through. I'm going through, I don't know about you. I'm going to go through and I'm going to come out great on the other side. But if we have not gripped the solid rock, If we don't pray, if we don't fast, if we don't wait on God, if we don't stay in the word so that we won't sin against him. When these things come upon the land, unfortunately, many people are going to miss it. They're going to miss it because there will be no spiritual intestinal fortitude to go forth in the things of God and declare for God I live, for God I die. If somebody walk up to somebody and say, do you trust God and they got a gun, what are you going to say? What are we really going to say? What are we really going to do? This is so serious. We have to be gripped By, in, on, through, within, without the solid rock. We got to have the word of God in us. So that we won't deny Christ. Teresa was teaching this morning. And she was saying, she made mention of. Is it going to be God or is it going to be your family? Will you, can you give up? Anybody that's diametrically opposed to the will of God that's trying to pull you out of his will with their sob stories, with all of this stuff, and it may be mama, daddy, sister, brother, cousin, whoever. It may be somebody that we love dearly. But if they're trying to pull you out of the will of God, let them go. If I have to cut off my arm, pluck out my eye, the Bible says it's better to enter into life maim than not make it. So what are we going to do with that? With all these storms that are going on, we better let down them anchors. And let that water, let the spirit of God, let the word of God fill up those anchors and float us in the right direction. So just as the anchor allows a boat to go steady, it stills allow that boat to move. Allow the Holy Spirit to be your anchor. Allow God to be your anchor in this last and yes, evil day. It is so evil. We have to let God anchor us in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. God has to anchor us. Let God anchor you in the word, in this in particular, because if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we may be able to get them into the kingdom. No matter what they did, 
No matter what they said to you, they are still a soul that needs Christ. So then we have to go past of what somebody did, what somebody said, how somebody acted, how they betrayed you, how they cussed you out. We got to get past that. To say that soul needs Christ. I've been anchored in the word. The word of God is in me and I'm going to share it with you so that you won't miss it. Everybody say, I'm not going to miss it. I don't know about you, but I ain't missing it. I told my children a long time ago, I am not going to hell for now, one of y'all. And I meant what I said. I love my children dearly. I love people. But I am not going to let somebody else's issue pull me out of the kingdom of God. We have to be tenacious in the word. We have to be so stuck in the word that we'll be able to know what's the truth and what's the lie. Have we spent enough time in the word that when a false prophet comes into the house, not this one, but when a false prophet comes into a house, that you will know that they are false prophets as soon as they walk in. Because you've spent so much time with the real that when the fake come around, you can feel it. We've spent so much time in prayer and in the word and in fasting and and waiting on God that whenever somebody comes and begins to preach another gospel, we know that is not the word. But where does your anchor have to be? Your anchor has to be rooted right here in the word of God. We have to know this word for real people. We have to digest this word because whatever you eat is coming back out, coming back up. If you are ingesting and digesting foolishness and stupid stuff, that's what's going to come out of you. If you sit up and feed yourself on television shows that are full of murder and anger and sex and all this stuff, that is what's coming out. If you sit up all day and all night and you play the scripture and you read the word of God and you feed yourself on the word of God when somebody needs you, that's what's coming out. We'll have some hope to give this dying world if our anchor is solid. Look at, you know, First Samuel, I tell you, Eli, he messed up. Eli messed up. Eli didn't discipline his sons, Hophni and Pinehas. They had, now see, one of those uh, uh, gifts is self-control, right? They had no self-control. They were sleeping with the women. They strong-armed the people out of the offering. It says that um, whenever um, the people were uh, giving an offering to God or what have you, that they would take the hooks and they would stick it down in the flesh pot and whatever the priest brought up, they, they, they took it. They took it from the people. That belonged to God. But they took it. And the Bible says that because of what they did, it caused God's people to abhor giving. So because of what the priest was doing, Hophni and Pinehas sleeping around with the women in the, in the church at the door. They, were, they weren't even trying to hide it. They were just out there with it. How brazen and bold is that? Then they strong-armed the people. 
And then, you know, people were coming to uh, Eli, telling him, you know, your sons are tripping. You know what they over there doing? What did Eli do? You shouldn't be doing that. But it also said that they had the robe. They wore the linen ephod. That's why you cannot go on what somebody got on. Just because someone has a long robe, a long cross, all of this um, liturgical apparel, and they know how to hoop and holler and work you up, it don't mean they know God. They could, be, they could be like Hoffman and Penny House and then know the words so well, they just get up and preach it. And because they know how to hoop and holler and work a person up, people will be flipping all over the place thinking that, ooh, didn't we have church? No, you didn't. You had some, but you didn't have church. <laughs> so they, were, they had no self-control. They strong-armed the people out of the offering. They caused God's people to hate giving. They also, because of their lack of self-control, they took the Ark of the Covenant presumptuously into battle. They were in a war with the um, Philistines. And they went and grabbed the Ark and carried it into, into battle with them, assuming... Because that was the Ark of the Covenant of God that that Ark was going to save them. They was all up in their mess and then at the last minute when they in trouble, now they want to go get the Ark. But guess what? It didn't happen. All those men that were in battle, majority of them, they got killed. Hoffman and Pennyhouse got killed. And then one of the guys came back and they told Eli, well, you know, they dead. When the, uh, one of the uh, brothers' wife had a baby, she named him Ichabod because it, that means the glory of God has departed. So we have a whole, we have Eli, his church, the people, his sons who were the priests. They dead. The baby as Ichabod, the mother of the baby died. Eli ended up dead. But the one thing, he didn't grip. His anchor didn't hold. But one thing that really got to me about this whole scenario, and yes, everything that happened was tragic because it affects the way people viewed God and giving. But the one thing that really got to me about this whole scenario is the fact that the bloodline, it should have went, the, the bloodline of Eli, the whole thing with Jesus coming forth, that was supposed to go down through the bloodline of Eli. But because of what he did, the priesthood was given over to the priesthood of Zadok. And then that, it went down through, uh, through that line. Look at what he lost. Because he didn't grip the solid rock for real. He did his own thing. He, and that's why when our pastors, when pastors and leaders across America are chastising the people, it is not to harm us. It is to help us. Correction helps us. Whenever a sheep keep running off, do they break his leg? I tell you what, my leg been broke a couple times. <laughs> and guess what? I'm still walking. But that breaking allowed the making that where God has called me to come forth. 
People don't want to be broke no more, Sister Denise. They don't want to be broke because it hurt. But I tell you what, if you let God break you, he will build you back up. God breaks us to get stuff out of us that are going to be no effect to the kingdom of God. That stuff got to come out. All of that hidden stuff, all of that stuff that don't nobody know about but you and God. So you think it shows anyway. <laughs> it shows. So they lost the ark to the Philistines. And as a result of that, now we're still talking about where your anchor at. Because if the anchor ain't holding where it need to hold, it's going to affect a lot of people. Because people are looking at us. People are looking at us for direction because we are the church. And if the direction that they're seeing our boat, our vessel go in is not right, we better go around and check that anchor to make sure it's holding in the right direction. A lot of people, what they do, what they do, they cut off the anchor because they want to go their own way. And here God is lovingly saying, let me fill you with my spirit. Oh, your spirit ain't, it, it, it's too holy. And I, I still want to do this over here. I, I still got a couple more joints to smoke. I still got a couple more cigarettes to puff. I still got some more Chirac to drink. If I said it right, I don't know I don't drink it. But see all of this stuff. People still want to cut the anchor off, float, but check this out. I'm just going to cut off three anchors, but I got six. So if I cut off three anchors, I can almost float over here and do what I want to and still be kind of in the kingdom. It don't work like that. It's all or nothing in the kingdom of God. Jesus gave up his life so that we might have life more abundantly. But the trick of the enemy is to try to make us think that what we got don't mean nothing. Because look at what the world doing. Look at all them millionaires. Honey, you know what? What profits a man to gain the whole world? What profits a man to have a million dollars? And at the end of the day, you here depart from me. You work of iniquity. I never knew you. What profit is that? What profit is it? I'm telling you right here, right now, it profits you nothing. Let God make you rich in your time. Our daddy is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't have to cut my anchor off and float on over here somewhere else to try to get something that I already have in God. So as a result of what they did when they lost the Ark of the Covenant, it was a lot of drama with other nations. The Ark was in captivity, and you all know what broke out as a result of that Ark being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was, you know, they was in um, Akron, Ashdod, um, different other uh, places. I don't remember them all, but the five Philistine uh, kings were rulers over those cities. And so when they took the Ark of the Covenant, they took it to a, the different cities. But the reason why it kept going to other cities, because every time the Ark showed up in the wrong place at the wrong time, stuff broke out. One place, everybody got hemorrhoids. 
or they call it emeralds in the Bible. They said, oh, no, we got the itch, the botch. They called it. They got all kind of names in there. And what did they do? They said, pack it up. Get it out of here. They made, they, they made golden hemorrhoids, put it on the car, and sent it away. One place that the ark ended up was, it ended that people just started dying, a death plague, and they sent it away. Don't let the anointing, don't let yourself be found in the wrong place at the wrong time because we are carriers of his glory. Eli was not anchored properly. He didn't bring correction. So we got to let the Lord anchor us. Anchor us in his word. Anchor us in prayer. If we don't, we'll drift away. If a boat is on the, on the stormy sea and there are no anchors, it's going to go. It's going to be tossed to and fro. It's, gonna go, it's just going to land where it lands. You don't want to do that, do you? You don't want to just end up where you end up, do you? We don't want to just be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, following a prophet here, following a prophet there. Oh, they had a good word, but was it the word? Nope. And then I'm going to go over here because the word over here was checking me too much. So I'm going to find myself over here. And then when I get over here, my whole household is towed up. So now I'm going to go somewhere else because, you know what, I thought I heard God, but they really wasn't God. You know, I missed it that time, but I'm going to go over here because they told me that I was going to be rich and my house and car was going to be paid off. So I ain't going back to where I'm getting to meet at. I'm going to go over here because they prophesied to me and I kind of like it. So they have itching ears. And another thing that's happening now, the Bible says that in the end, many will not endure sound doctrine. So now, if I'm not preaching the goody, goody, happy, happy, joy, joy, feel goods, I don't want to hear it. People don't want to endure sound doctrine. They want the doctrine of devils. They want to be seated in the Satan, the synagogue. They want to do all these things that are opposed to the word of God and still make it to heaven. Because that's what's being said now. There are many roads to heaven. There are many ways to the kingdom. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm going to tell you I agree with that. In the sense that you're going to end up in the wrong kingdom. There are many ways. The Bible says that there is a way that's right that seems right unto a man, but in the end, it is destruction. Many people that think that they are doing right and they're finding all these guys, they're going to be in the kingdom all right. They're going to be in a burning kingdom, the lake of fire for all eternity. And those that are walking on the straight and narrow road will say, the Lord will say, enter in. Thy good and faithful servant, enter, enter. How many of you want to say enter? And want to hear the Lord say enter? Thou good and faithful servant, I refuse to be over here. On the wide road because I done cut my anchor in the word off because I'm tired of being chastised. I'm tired of being corrected. Don't you know who I am? I'm Apostle Allison. Come on now. It don't even matter. Because when we stand before the Lord, your title, none of that is going to matter. When I stand before the Lord, it's me, it's Allison and God. 
But many people are too caught up on their title. You better call me by my... I answer if people say, Allison. I say, hey, how you doing? How you doing, Sister Allison? Fine. What I look like trying to correct somebody? You better call me apostle. Don't you know who I am? <clears throat> Anybody that does that has missed it already. Many people have itching ears. Not anchored in the word, but wanting a word. Turn to uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 9. I still hear some pages rustling. That's all right. Now, false prophets, they don't have no anchor, nowhere in the word. Nowhere in the word. But people will listen to false prophets and act like they got the goods. Verse 9, Jeremiah 23. Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. This is what Jeremiah is saying. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man. And he's not talking about drinking wine. And like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. For the land is full of adulterers. Remember I just talked about the wrong kind of love will get you in the whole situation. For because of swearing the land mourneth, the pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. Their force is not right. Okay? For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Wherefore their ways shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness, and they shall be driven on and fall therein. For I will bring evil upon them, even... The year of their visitation, saith the Lord. Now look at this, 13. I have seen the folly of the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied in Baal and caused my people to err. So what the whole gist of this is, these prophets were causing God's people to err. But it, it wasn't all on them. Because the people had a choice whether or not they chose to believe those prophets. Okay, And so one of the things that we have to do is we don't want to listen to people full of folly, full of unsound doctrine. Before I will submit to you, before you go and listen to anybody and and receive what what they have to say, if you have never heard them before, check them out. See, check their fruit. See if, they're trying to, uh, see if they're trying to draw people unto themselves out of churches. See what they're about. And I tell you what, I do you one better. Your Holy Ghost in you, I'll let you know. I love Psalms 1 because this is one of those staple scriptures that is like an anchor. Okay, It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. Everybody say, his delight. delight. Amen. I tell you what, I thank God for my delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. How many of us are meditating day and night on the word? How many? It says... Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law. Now listen, if I'm delighting in something, I want to see it all the time. 
If you delight in your boo, you can't wait till he come home. But boy, can't you sister niece? Here come my boo. <laughs> so if you delight in somebody, if you delight in something, you want to see it all the time. If we are delighting ourselves in the Lord and in the word, we want to be in it as much as we can get in it. We want to see it. We want to be in his presence because we're delighting ourselves and we're meditating day and night. And the Bible goes on to say that he shall be like a tree planted. Everybody say planted. You got to be planted. You're going to be planted somewhere. We're going to be planted either in the kingdom of our God or we're going to be planted in the kingdom of the enemy. There is no gray area. See, people like to fool around with the gray area and say, I can be halfway saved. I just, I only cut off one anchor. I just wanted to lean over a little bit. Mm-mm. Nope. He said that he shall be planted like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring it forth. Oh my God. His fruit in his season. We just talked about the fruit. So that's telling me whenever you have an anchor, that anchor is going to plant you, whether it's an anchor that makes you stationary for a season or an anchor that is a, um, a storm anchor that gathers water and allow you to float gradually to the destination that God has called you to get to. You got to be planted somewhere. You're going to either be planted in God or you will be planted in the devil. And one of the tricks of the enemy is to get people going here, 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 trying to find out where they want their roots to be. And don't you know when you uproot a plant, it goes into shock. It goes into shock. Now, I'm not a planter, but I did that one time. I uprooted the plant, shook all the dirt off. Planted it in another pot and wonder why I died. I called my daughter, tell me why my plant died. Mom, what did you do? I shook all the... Oh, my God. You really... That's what happens to Christians. When you uproot yourself and you go and you shake off... I'm going to just shake the dust off and go. Well, honey, let me tell you something. You shaking off some nutrients. You shaking off the word. You shaking off all that God has grounded you in. The word, the prayers, the fasting, the, the word of God. You shaking it off to go do something else. And God is saying, he said, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So if my anchor holds... I got them storm anchors, sister Denise. Them storm anchors are full of water. The water is the word. The water is the spirit of the living God. And uh, those storm anchors are carrying me in the direction that God is calling me to go in. I'm not trying to do my own thing anymore. And it goes on to say in verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Now, when we look at that word chaff, in the Bible, what they would do when they was harvesting grain, they would throw the grain out on the threshing floor, they would beat it, and then it would crack, and then they would take a winnowing uh, hook, a fork, I'm sorry, a winnowing, kind of like, it looked like a rake, but it's called a winnowing tool. They'd take it, the wind would be blowing softly, they'd throw the grain up in the air, the, ch- the chaff would be uh, blown away by the wind and the good grain would fall to the ground. 
But the Bible right here says that the ungodly are not so, but like chaff that the wind drives away. And you know, when they get done winnowing, that chaff, what do they do? They burn it up. So the enemy, that tells me that the enemy has a trick for God's people. He wanted to get us so stuck on ourselves and what my call is and God called me. You know what? Whoever he calls, he qualifies. It's God that's set up. It's God to take down. Amen. So we have to be careful. So the enemy wants to trick us. He said the godly, the ungodly are not so. So when a person decides to cut off their anchors from the church, from the word, from people that love them, when, the, when those anchors start getting cut off, what happens? The enemy now has an inroad. He has an inroad to play with your mind because you've isolated yourself. Whenever the enemy has a person isolate themselves, I can preach on it because I've been there. Whenever the enemy has a person isolated from the body of Christ, from the people of God, from sound doctrine, from sound leadership, then he begins to speak lies into your head. He begins to tell you everything that's wrong with the leader. Everything that's wrong with the church. But you in isolation, you way over here. Ain't even in your word, but you just listening to your mind. Because the trick of the enemy, enemy is to get you isolated so he can play mind games with you. And then, the, the further you drift off into Never Neverland, into the sea, you get closer and closer to ungodliness. Because now, there is nobody to check your stuff. Now what you're doing don't look so bad. Now what you're doing, what you're saying, it don't sound that bad. I mean, I only said one cuss word. I mean, I only slept with them one time. But had we stayed where we're supposed to stay, with them anchors holding, we wouldn't have cussed, we wouldn't have slept with them, we wouldn't have had a drink, we wouldn't have went to the club, we wouldn't have did none of that. So we don't want to be like the chaff that the wind drives away. And it goes on to say, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. And that is what we are trying to get everybody on board with. Get those anchors together. Make sure that it grips the solid rock. Make sure that our salvation is an election sure. God is separating the sheep from the goat. Don't get mad if you stand for holiness and people want to get off from around you because you're holy and they want to do what they do. Some people don't even fool with me. They don't, and I don't care. Don't matter. Ain't going to hell. I ain't going to hell. I ain't missing it. I'm not missing it for you, 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 or you. Nobody. The Bible says, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. When you think about fear and trembling, Sister Loretta, you know what? When I'm working the stuff out in me, it makes me fearful that I did some stuff. It makes me tremble. Oh, my God, you delivered me from that. I should have been dead. I should have been gone. But God did something. Working it out with fear and trembling as we are refined 
by the refiner's fire, stuff is going to be coming up and out of us until Jesus come and get, up us, get us up out of here. But we let him skim it off. We let him bridle our tongue. We let him order our steps. We allow him to shake us, to break us, to make us into the people of God that he wants us to be. So he wants to steady us in that storm so our anchor will be gripping the solid rock. Not just anybody rock. That's a whole nother sermon. Who rock are you gripping? (laughs) Where is your anchor landed? So in closing, the question is, is your salvation and election sure? Is your anchor secure? And has it gripped the solid rock? That's my message. I think we do the announcements first and then the offering. Okay. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.